Welcome to Applesauce, episode number four. I am Joseph Darnell, and I'm back with me is my co-host, Mr. Lee Peterson. How are you doing, Lee? Hi, I'm I'm good. Thanks. Good good to be back. Been been a little while. It is. We were uh, wrapped up in personal things and affairs, and so <laughs> this has been the longest hiatus I've ever needed to do in the midst of my podcasting career. Same, but it's uh, it's good to be back. I've had breaks for other podcasts I've done before, but this has been the longest. I had some family matters that had to be addressed, and uh, poor Lee, uh, just when I started to get to a point I might continue with a podcast earlier this year, you uh, went and hurt yourself on the back, huh? Yes, yeah, I had a few uh, a few back issues that I, I needed to go in to get sorted out, but uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm in a good place now, a lot better than I was a few months ago. And it what's it been maybe five months something like that five five or six month break which is a bit mad really when you when you think about how quick time goes especially when you're getting older like I am yeah but, uh. <laughs> <laughs> well I had job change I relocated uh, have a name change no I'm not I didn't do that <laughs> and you got you had surgery so yeah we we've crammed a lot into this hiatus but it's it's been worth it and I'm glad that we could come back to the podcast after all. Um, we would have been on what, maybe episode 30 ish by now. <laughs> this yeah. Is I don't even want to work that. <laughs> but we, we'll get, we'll, this, this is our, this is our like relaunch, isn't it? Nice. So if yeah, we can, it is. As, long, as long as our schedules match up, then, you know, we should be back to, back to weekly, hopefully. And we should, I should just say thanks to everybody, you know, for, for hanging in with us with this kind of break. Appreciate every, any, you know, people that have stuck with us in this time. Yeah. Uh, hopefully all of them have just been asleep all these last several months. They subscribed once. They come back to their players today and they're like, what? They, they, they took a break? What? <laughs> <laughs> Enough about lives and personal problems and things we had to resolve. People didn't come here for that. They wanted no. to hear about applesauce. Um, I'm thinking about the topics for um, the iPhone 8, the iOS 11. We've got a lot of new updates here from Apple corporate. And th- there's... Really just interesting things. I know everybody and his grandma already knows about the iPhone X, X10. And uh, what are we officially going to call it? I call it X. Sweet. Really? You fall <laughs> just, on that side of the argument? I, it, yeah, it just that's just a natural... I think it sounds cooler, but also I just, I just natural, it's just natural for me. But I was one of those odd people that called... It, that, that called the Mac, Mac OS. Yeah, for the longest time. People were constantly telling me that wasn't the right way of saying it, but it just, I guess it doesn't really matter, but it just comes out at X. I'll probably call it X and 10 over the course of the next probably a couple of months. Hmm. See, I, I wonder where I should draw the line because I, I want to yield to Apple because they are the authority in this matter, but it seems like popular opinion is really swaying towards the X. And... Uh, if, if it would be different if there was such a thing as an iPhone Pro X, because then I would feel compelled out of the the nature of the phone being professional gear that it's a little bit more technical and you should call it what it actually is to sound professional. Well, technically, that's the iPhone 10 Pro. You don't call that the X because that's that's what consumers call it who don't know better. It, this isn't easy for me because I used to call it Mac OS X as well. Yeah. But when this rolled around, I knew I knew exactly what Apple was doing. 
And I had Final Cut 10 for the longest time. I'm not using Final Cut Pro 10 anymore. I started using the Final Cut Suite, I guess it was on number three many years ago. And so when they got up to 10, I I knew what that meant. Yeah. I'm torn. I'm torn because I was going to say 10. Now you got me questioning myself all over again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just glad they didn't call it the edition. The edition. Oh, hopefully they never will again. Uh, I get a lot, and you, you know, a lot of Apple users get a, get some kind of, uh, I don't know, best to say, get t- taken the mick out of, what, or, or you know, abused for being Apple fans and being elitist. And I think calling it the edition would have just made it even more. <laughs> uh, I'm okay with X or Ted, however we call it, but I'm okay with them that namer rather than the Pro. It does make more sense, I think, but. I don't know. We, we can we, we'll we'll talk about the name. I'm sure we. I'm sure. It, like I said, we'll be crossing between X and ten over the next few episodes. I'd imagine. Here's one way to think of it: is its official name is the iPhone 10, and its nickname is the X. Yeah. And I could handle that it that way because they're ubiquitous. They're the same. Everybody can use either one. If you you call me Joseph, I know what that means, and if you call me Joe, I know what that means. Okay, so, let's roll with that then. So I got the iPhone 8 Plus, and uh, I had I was formerly a iPhone 7 user. And before that, I had the 6S Plus. I think before that, I had a 6. So why did I go with the 8 instead of the 10? Can you guess, Lee? <laughs> uh, I want to say the notch. It was the notch. Uh, at that end. <laughs> I'm not kidding, man. Let's just get right into it. Okay, okay. so which size did you get there? Which, which storage size did you get? Uh, okay, I, I went with 64 because I formerly okay. had the 128. And because I mostly use cloud storage and I rotate my photos a lot more often now, I actually never got to 32 gigs on my 7. Okay. I manage all my music from streaming. I have a good deal with, I think it's T-Mobile, that you don't have to pay extra for streaming your Apple Music, and I stream a lot of Apple Music. Okay. So it sounds really great in the car. I I can tell a difference between having the local files and plugging it in through the uh, cable. It does sound better, but Bluetooth is real close. So I'm happy to do that. And if I'm dealing with my local podcast files, that's really the largest files I have on my phone are the random videos I make of the kids and my podcast files. So there's a few gigs of podcasts on here to listen to. Now, what do you think you would get in the way of storage? I've got seven at the moment uh, and I'm on a 128. And I tend to store a lot of my music locally because with my, uh, my nine to five job, I do quite a lot of traveling and I can't always rely that in the car that I'm going to get a signal. So I get in, in, in the UK, we're, we're, we're pretty good for, for uh, mobile carriers. So I pay £14, which is probably about $16, I guess, a month. And I get unlimited data on anything. So I can stream when I want to. But but my person, the operator that I'm with, three, they haven't got as a good coverage as, as some of the other the, the other the, the other uh, carriers. Mm. So I tend to store everything locally if I can. If it's if it's something I want to I want to listen to more than a few times, I tend to just store it locally. So I'll quite easily fill maybe eighty gig. I'm going to go over the sixty four. So in the in the new kind of structure, I'd have to go to fifty six. Hmm. How do you normally organize your music? Are you organizing by artist or genre, or do you just download some playlists? I well, I, I'm I'm an Apple Music user like you 
and what I tend to do is I use the recently played a lot. So especially with music in with work, I listen to music, you know, like a lot of people do when they work. And for me, that tends to be John Williams. It'll be movie soundtracks, something like a Jurassic Park or Star oh, Wars nice. yeah, or yeah. Indiana Jones, you know. And I also listen to uh, like the Lord of the Rings soundtracks quite a lot as well. And, and all that stuff will just be downloaded onto the phone. You know, you know, in Apple Music, one of the first screens you've got is a recently played, and you can just see like your last, I can't remember, maybe twenty albums you've played. And I just go from that normally. Sometimes I'll go into radio, but not very often. I need to set you up because I have in the neighborhood of uh, six unique playlists that I've been naming: soundtrack volume one, soundtrack volume two playlists. Okay. And okay. I've been doing these mixes together for a while. I bet you're gonna love them. Uh, I've been putting them together with Apple Music, and I have enough material now to listen to movie soundtracks for about six and a half straight hours of the workday. Nice. And each one f- caters a little bit to a slightly different mood, but all of them are just great tracks, all good soundtracks. And, it, well, there there is one exception. It's a, a version of Somewhere Over the Rainbow, and so it came from the movie credits of Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Okay, yeah. I had to make exception for that. Uh, but, yeah, it, Apple Music is really working out for me, and... Uh, teach his own methods. I have downloaded a few of the playlists, but I haven't like noticed a difference um, in my performance because I have uh, my phone service pretty consistently. So okay. uh, even though I like right now I'm recording from the office and I have a uh, full reception anywhere on the road, I have only like one or two bars tops, but even so I managed to stream all my music. It's just fine. Hmm. So right. I'm very yeah, content good. about that. So, okay, I have upgraded. Are you going to upgrade? Uh, I think this is the the year that I'm going to be sitting it out. Uh, oh, okay. I, I, I've Ever since the 3G, I've bought a new phone every year. Uh, the, only, the only flagship kind of flagship phone I didn't get was the uh, when the 5S came out, because I had a 5. But strangely, I went from a 5 to a 5C, oh. because I preferred, I preferred the plastic. I, I hate using cases, uh, so for me, like the the feel of the phone is one of the one of the top kind of kind of things that I've on my buying buying decision. I know it sounds weird, but I just I just hate using cases. So when I first started using the five C, I just loved the way it felt in hand. So I just swapped my five for a five C, and I skipped the five S. But yeah, I think this year I'm probably going to skip them because I've got a seven at the moment in jet black, which feels great. And I did look at an 8 in store, in my local Apple store, and it does feel, the 8 feels good. But for me, it just doesn't seem a big enough leap for me. Mm-hmm. Just to go from an 8, from a 7 to an 8, I'd have to go from a, a 7 to an 8 plus. And, and I, I have owned plus models, and they always give me kind of RSI issues. Mm-hmm. I, I always use my, my phone with one hand. And when, when I went to a plus model, both a 6S plus and a 7 plus, I couldn't change that habit of of going to switch into two hands because I would always revert back to that one just using it in my left hand and I found that I just gave myself RSI issues uh, so I just stopped using the plus models and stuck to the 7 and the the 10 which we, I think we'll probably talk about in a little bit mm-hmm. it, it's just not for me this year I'll dive right into it, but I'll begin with the RSI issues which we've probably mentioned before I've had RSA problems because oh, I started using Photoshop when I was 12 
And a lot of the work a graphic designer does is you zoom in way in, way in so that you can see the edges between the pixels. Yeah. And then with a mouse, you're editing like the edge of one pixel adjacent to another. And so a lot of the time what a graphic designer has to do is make incredibly small motions with a mouse. And it can really hurt over time because I, I think I started with a 90s uh, a Windows PC, and I don't remember what my mouse was like then. But I know I've had some bad mice in between then and now. And just the mice themselves that came with a kit from an iMac or something was not not very good ergonomically. And I was using those when I was a teenager a lot. And I just started feeling the pain in my wrist and in between my knuckles from a very early time. And it's not like arthritis. I'm, I'm not complaining like, you know, I, I need medication and I need special treatment yet. But I certainly have experienced the RSI problems. I had a resurgence of them yesterday when I was doing a lot of video editing production because I was making some very specific kinds of edits where I was taking a movie trailer and I was cropping it down to this the one-by-one one ratio, the square ratio used on a lot of social networks for Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And just the kind of editing I was doing was aggravating my RSI problems with my nice, large, chunky Logitech MX mouse. And so I, I feel you. And I do hope and I, I will pray that that's not going to become a problem with my new iPhone 8 Plus because I really don't want it to get worse. Well, you haven't got 15 days now, but... Uh, eh, it'll sell well. It's got a great re- you know, resale yeah, value. Yeah, you could yeah. do that. You could do that. I mean, when I had the... Uh, I think it was the 6S Plus or the 7 Plus. I can't remember. But when I only kept it for maybe 10 days and I could just feel it flaring up then I was having problems so I just took it back within that 15 days and one thing that I thought I'd get caught out was because I had the jet black it was already scratched all over the back but Apple being Apple they didn't really care they just took it back and gave me a full refund so yeah you do have that option and like you said the the, the resale value on them although it'd be interesting with the H because certainly I don't know what it's like in, in the States but in the UK for all the 8 models you know, the standard eight and the eight plus on all sizes, they're totally available. You can literally just go in and buy one today. You could just, yeah, they're just always available. Hmm. So they're not selling out at all. So it'll be interesting to see. It was funny, actually, just going off on a, a little bit of a tangent. I was in the store uh, the other day looking at the eight and I picked up a new watch strap. And, and I was talking to one because I'd, I'd pre, uh, you know, you can like pre-order them for pickup. Oh, yeah. So, so I'd done that and, and I turned up. And I was speaking to the lady who was waiting for them to come out, and they were taking a little bit, a little while to come out. And she she was asking me about the eight and my thoughts on it, and also the X or the ten, you know, however we're going to call it. <laughs> and I was saying, you know, some of my, my views on the on, on the ten and, and the eight not worth, not a worthy upgrade for me from the seven. And when I when I picked up all my stuff and I was coming out, I overheard her talking to her my manager, I guess, about my view and and the feelings of other people that she'd spoken to that morning. So I think they're kind of internally, they're trying to gauge what people are thinking of the new models. Uh, and I don't know if that's just generally because they just want to see, you know, they probably do that anyway. But I just thought it was curious because they'd not, I'd never seen that before. But yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. <laughs> I know that the lines were really short. I saw some ropes uh, hung around the some of the larger Apple stores and for lines like usual, and they were not filling up for the eight. No. And the reason being is that, I mean, everybody's expecting the new hotness at the end of October. 
And now we're hearing that the there are supply shortages because they cannot construct the parts fast enough for the 10. I think that that's going to certainly create more hype around the 10 when it does roll around because everybody's going to want to like you know, claim I got it the first day, the first week or the next week. And Apple's going to make that really hard on a lot of people who don't want to be the guy who said, yeah, actually, I got it the first week of January yeah. <laughs> because I pre-ordered and it just didn't show up. So I'm I'm hoping that that doesn't happen for people. I, I think Apple can work this out. I think that the rumors are probably somewhat charged by just the way the Internet likes to tell bad stories. And so it's a, uh, there's a lot of hype around rumor. I'm, I'm hoping that it's not true that it's delayed as much as all this, that it's going to take months to get something that's supposedly available on August or October. What is it that they say? Pre-orders start October 27th? Yeah, pre-orders 20, yeah, 27th. And then I think deliveries, was it the 3rd? 3rd of November? Surely something that's available in store at the beginning there is uh, not delayed past Christmas. I, I should hope not. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, these are, these are not AirPods we're talking about here. We're talking about the iPhone X. We're talking about the thing that everybody is waiting for while the iPhone 8s are just uh, collecting dust on the shelves. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think the problem that, that that you're going to get is that you're going to get a lot of people buying them to sell them on. Um, and and there'll, there'll be a limit to two per customer. So I'd imagine there's going to be people buying two, uh, hoping they get them both on the same day and then selling one to pay for the first one. Hmm. So, this I think it's going to be a lot. It's, there's going to be a lot of disappointed people this side of. Interesting. It's interesting. It's, it's it's the first time that they've they've got this this many model this many models in the range. Personally, if we're getting onto the iPhone 10, you know, I'm I'm I just think it's too expensive. Because when I when I saw the keynote, I was like, oh, that, that looks amazing. Uh, and then as the you know the days after the keynote, when you start thinking about things a little bit more logically, I thought, well. I don't want to. I don't want to lose Touch ID just yet. Yeah, yeah. But for me, once I'd worked out the price, it was the phone because I don't want to get the the sixty four gig. I want to get the two fifty six plus the Apple Care. It was coming out at fourteen hundred pounds, so maybe fifteen hundred dollars, I guess. Uh, and I'm thinking, well, that's actually more than I paid for my MacBook, and that's about the same price as I paid for the iMac, my five K iMac that I've got. And as soon as I start thinking of it in those terms. As much as I want the dual camera, because my dream was always to have that dual camera from the 7 Plus, which I loved, in that smaller size body, which this gives me. Yes. But yeah. I just, when I look at it in cold, hard facts, regardless of if I could afford the phone or not, I just think I can't justify spending that amount of money on, 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 on that phone just yet. I think there's a lot of technology in it to be proven. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like face, face, face ID. Okay. But I like the convenience of touch ID more than I think I would rather than putting a phone to my face. <laughs> uh, be, do you know what I mean? Because it's like, you just, you're going to knock it straight from your pocket. You you know, I just think Touch ID is more convenient than, than Face ID. I picture a lot of <laughs> uh, folks with their technology, they're not very tech savvy, like <laughs> blasting their faces with their yeah. phones, expecting it to work. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a cool technology, but I was... I was thinking it would be more like it would amp it would sort of ambiently be looking at you. So if it's on your desk and you're working, it could like see you from that angle and always authenticate you rather than having to pick it up and for it to see your face. If it was that, I think it'd be really cool because if you've got it, if you're driving or if you've got it by the side of you and you're doing something, 
it's always it's going to see your face and unlock you whereas you know realistically if it's locked and you're in the car i'm not seeing you driving so you're a passenger and you've got in the side you're still gonna have to pick it up and put it in front of you to, to lock i just think that might be, that's a bit clumsy but also i use an android phone for work uh, a galaxy i think it's an a5 but that's got a, that's a similar size to the 10 and i'm constantly hitting the bottom left uh kind of you know, android has like a back button and a app switching type button oh yeah and i'm constantly hitting those with a with my palm of my hand and if you've got a full-size screen i'm going to constantly be hitting those oh, icons yeah. in my hand and it wasn't until the other day i realized that and i was thinking actually i'm just gonna sit this one out you know price is the main one for me uh the notch you've we you know we, we 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 we've talked about a little bit before we started the podcast but i don't i'm i'm not really precious about it but i think it would bug me on video trying to watch a full screen video would bug me that that would be there yes i don't think it would bug me in day-to-day use just if you've got it in kind of a you know portrait but as soon as you push it landscape and start watching video i think that would bug the hell out of me yes and also if you use apps in landscape designers having to work around it i think it's just lazy (laughs) yeah (laughs) we're gonna talk about this while we're on the notch um i have very strong feelings about the 10 and the 8 uh, for one thing, we, as we've talked about in prior years, I think a lot of the Apple community were very, you know, uh, they showed a lot of appreciation for the design Apple started with with the 6 because it seemed to return to some of the form factor of the first generation iPhone. And a lot of people were calling it like an incredible refinement on all the design decisions that Uh, Johnny Ives team had been working on for all these years like it was a wonderful form factor in terms of just the size of the phone and the plus the regular version as well it felt like a great fit the rounded corners were less annoying than the the sharp edges of the five generation yeah and some would argue that the four had the best form factor but well, that's another story entirely for another day. Um, I, I, I'm a huge fan of the form factor of the four, but it just broke too easily. And you could never you know, move forward with a smaller screen. But nobody wanted to maintain the, the bands around the sides of the frame like the fours were uh, indefinitely for the future because that just fell out of style. So why would you use something that was that old, even though it looks great and everybody loved it, uh, people are trending away from it because people like a new phone in part for how it looks and they want it to look new. They want it to look different. So that's what happened with the six is the, uh, the seven didn't look any different from the success. Like the success didn't look any different from the six. I mean, you could tell that the antenna bands were in different places, but because the aluminum back was the same, just a slightly different color, all these things just looked too much alike. Yeah. And I think it was a great decision on Apple's part to introduce the jet black because that looked different for Apple's lineup. And I'm wondering why they introduced it when they did and it's apparently discontinued. I mean, it's, it's not got a future with the eight. I wonder if they'll use that material again in the future for some other uh, iPhone type product. Yeah, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe now. a watch. Maybe an Apple Watch. They could do an Apple Watch in that finish. Um, it does look like they got the inspiration for that finish from the watch. The, the different ceramics, the different aluminums, yeah. the different yeah. steels. I would like that because I would like the lightweight of the aluminum watch with the finish of the jet black. 
It, it, it's very sharp. So when they announced the 7, I wanted the Jet Black, but it wasn't available around here. So, it, I mean, it was just hard to get. So the Matte Black was immediately available, and I went ahead and picked it up because I liked it almost as much as the Jet Black. But because it needed a case, because they're just, you know, super slippery, I was never incredibly happy with the 7 for the same reasons I wasn't happy with the 6S and the 6 because I, I, it's so easy to drop these. And and so I'd get these cases, but then I never like them. And then one day I would just like, uh, something would be triggered in my head. I'd be listening to someone on a podcast and they would say something about, oh, I've been using my iPhone 7 for, you know, five months without a case and everything's fine. It's got some scratches on it from the keys in my pocket, but no big deal. And so I took the case off of my, uh, my 7 and I, that was okay for about two weeks doing a vice grip of the thing yeah. whenever <laughs> I was holding it. But I grew paranoid. And one day I was just getting out of my car. And it did exactly what I was afraid of. It just like a a stick of soap out of my hands and it fell on the pavement and I broke it. Yeah. Before I could get to the T-Mobile store the same day, it slipped right on my hand again on the concrete when I was getting out of my car a second time and and broke worse. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like, I can't catch a break. And so when I got my iPhone 7's replacement, I went case all the time. And I actually got this one that looked really good. It looked a lot like the Product Red Surface, but it was just the case. And uh, the Product Red is my favorite color. But the Product Red iPhone was not available yet. So I was using this case instead. So when they talked about the iPhone 8 and the iPhone X, I was at a crossroads because... One thing I wanted, Lee, was I wanted a much better camera than they had in the 7. And I knew the 7s was really good, and the 7 Pluses was even better with the dual camera system. But the leap from 7 to 7 Plus was minuscule, apart from having the dual camera system. Yeah. And so I would never dream of upgrading to a 7 Plus. When they talked about the 8 Plus, I knew this was going to be the phone for me, because I'm not interested in, in the inductive wireless charging, though that's interesting. I was incredibly thrilled that they were bringing the glass back black. Uh, Blah. When they were bringing the glass back back. (laughs) Because, yeah. And I I love it because it it feels so good, like the jet black material. I've been fumbling this in my hands, just, you know, flipping it over and over and over again as we've been recording, and I'm not having any problems holding it. And it's so grippy that I, I know I'm not going to need a case unless I really need a case. An, an example of maybe really needing a case is if my kids wanted to use it and play on it on a road trip and we, that we were on together, I might put a case on it. Yeah. yeah, so if the kids are going to play a little you know Mario run on it, that's a pretty smart idea. And I got a case for just such events, but I put it on there, felt it, and you know what, Lee? The case was actually more slippery than the iPhone 8 Plus just without the case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I find that. Yeah, and that's, so I took it right off. I, I love the fact that the dual camera system has improvements, a better sensor. It has, uh, it's able to read uh, all the uh, light much better in low light. And what I found in this last few weeks is I'm noticing huge perceptively different ways in which it ha- manages light. So it's able to not only 
show more light in low light settings like outdoors with lamp posts for light. But to the naked eye, it actually looks brighter in low light settings than the scene does to my naked eye. That's okay. That's good. So I'm taking a picture of any particular object and, you know, some parts of the face are lit and other parts are just in the shadows. To the naked eye, it looks one way. And on the photo, it looks brighter and it doesn't look bad for it. Uh, There's less noise. I actually think that the noise, the way that they're managing it very intelligently now with the software might be so good that they could bring some of the noise back again. But I'm not positive about that because it looks so clean. And as a designer who's staring at pixels in Photoshop all day long, I think it looks almost too clean. Mm-hmm. But but I'm so thrilled with this. So I went to a Braves game. While we were at the Braves game, I was uh, showing the features off to my friend. And he he's not familiar with using the dual camera system, He, he but he has an iPhone 6. And so he starts using it, and he took a few pictures around the, the stadium. And he was just blown away by how well the dual camera system works. And everybody who already has a 7 Plus will say, yeah, yeah, that's not a big deal. We've had this for a year. But y- you don't get it. Like, this is a new phone to me, and these, and it's a year-over-year improvement to the seven, which is what I've had for a year. So, so when I so when I was considering my buying decision about whether to get an, an, an X or the the eight plus, what it really came down to for me was I already love this form factor. This this is the thing I believe in. You know, it's true that Apple's design team did a wonder with this form factor. The biggest problem that always existed for this shape of the iPhone was the fact that the back of it wasn't especially grippy. Yeah. And so if, if, if you were going to get it, you had to get the jet black for the grippiness. But then, you know, I'm not going to buy a regular matte black 7 and then upgrade to a jet black a year later. So when they come up with the, with the iPhone 8 and the, the iPhone 8 Plus, Here's how I was thinking about it, Lee. Here's how I justified this buying decision in my head. <laughs> For one, I could say I'm getting a bigger screen. And that's true. And technically speaking, it, 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 when you combine its width and height together, in one way, in one manner of speaking, it's larger than the iPhone X, right? That's because right. it's yeah, also yeah. wider. Yeah. And yeah, even though it doesn't have, yeah, it doesn't, it's not as pixel dense as the iPhone 10. It is altogether larger and I cannot tell the difference in the pixel density. So wh- I know that the OLED display will be more vibrant. It's going to have just uh, maybe a better viewing angle. You can see it from a wider range. Maybe it has a better depth of picture. And I'm sure those things are going to be great. But the benefits of the OLED were also canceled out from my designer sensibilities because they left the notch on there. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that just like it, it, that was such a huge trade-off that I know I know in day-to-day use, if I was using the notched ten, I would probably not notice it much at all, unless I actually bothered to stop and think about it, and immediately it'd be this annoying thing. Like um, I'm using the uh, the MacBook 12-inch model that has the uh, very shallow keys. Yeah, I'm the same one. Yeah, and I'm so used to it that I don't really notice them anymore. And I actually kind of like it. But for the first few months, 
getting used to it with my hands, I was striking the keys so hard that it was actually kind of hurting my fingers. <laughs> yeah, I, I still make mistakes. And, and making mistakes where it seems like the key press is a little bit sticky, but technically it's not. It's just you thought it was. And so you're, you're like mashing the, the key down because you're expecting it to give you a different physical response. Yeah. But, but those problems and those sensations when typing on this keyboard only happen when I'm thinking about it. And if I, if I just go into autopilot, I sit down and I'm concentrating on my notes and I'm, you know, focusing on what I'm doing on Twitter and I'm focusing on what I'm doing in Adobe Premiere, I'm not thinking about what the keys feel like anymore and I, I tune it out and my type ability is pretty good. It, it's not any worse on this keyboard than it is on my mechanical keyboards. But when looking at a phone screen, because so much of the time I'm specifically watching video content and aligning pictures, I would be so annoyed that the notch is a visual right there and I'm wondering what is behind it <laughs> or why is it that I have to, I have to uh, compensate for the notch by changing the form factor of what I'm looking at so that it, the notch is not obscuring what I want to see in the side. Yeah, and so I, I could never explain that to my to my coworkers at the office when showing them one of the videos I'm working on. Hey, check out this awesome thing, and they'd say, "That's laughable. Why didn't you just get an Android that has the same form factor?" But guess what? Doesn't have a notch, and I'd be like, "Ah, <laughs> I'd never be able to live that one down." So going back to the idea of the iPhone eight plus, it just it makes so much sense because larger screen and. I love the form factor glass back. So it's extra grippy, better camera sensor and better depth, true depth and all that optical sensors. And boy, my, my portraits already look so much better, man. I, I really believe it. And oh, let's not forget that this has true tone. Yeah, that's a good feature. And true yeah. tone was not going to come along to the seven generation. I was very happy with the iPad Air. But when they talked and described about uh, when I think it was Phil Schiller described the the True Tone display, I knew that that was something I wanted because of how I use the iPad Pro. I, I, I use it for reading, and I use it on a lot of situations where the lighting is tricky and it bothers my eyes, and I'm always thinking about the lighting. <laughs> uh, Lee, I don't know if you've ever had this sensation, but here's how I, I try to explain it to people who don't, have experience doing this. You go to the perfume counter to buy for your significant other some perfume and you smell several different kinds. And in no time at all, you can't tell the differences in it with any of them. So you have to walk away from the counter and smell some coffee beans, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the kind of work I do all day long in graphic design and video production, a lot of it has to do with color. It's just like that. It's like you went to the perfume counter with your eyes and you're staring at pictures to scrutinize their color. And is that right? Is that the right look I want for this moment on this picture? And then you're fine tuning the, the oranges, you're fine tuning the blacks, you're adding a little bit of noise, you're changing the sharpness, you're making the trees recede a little bit by making them more out of focus. And I'm doing this all day long on pictures. And honestly, by lunchtime, I don't know if the pictures look all that great or not, because I, I've like, I, I kind of gone into autopilot. 
And I can't perceive if what I'm looking at anymore is actually justifiably better because my eyes are straining nonstop to tell the difference between a, uh, a, a 50% mixture of gray and blue and a 47% mixture of gray and blue. And there is a difference. It is perceptible to the human eye, but only if you're thinking about it. Yeah. So going back to True Tone, this makes it so much easier on my eyes <laughs> <laughs> because my eyes are already worn out about thinking about colors. And I, I just have this huge annoyance when I have to control the brightness settings on my phone or when I pick up a device and the color looks way off given the lighting in the room. So again, just a huge benefit of getting the eights. If, if you notice that the bluish screen, a white screen, like maybe you're looking at Facebook at night in bed, if you pick up your phone and it just jumps out at you and it screams at your eyes and you rub your eyes and they start to water <laughs> like mine do, then you would really appreciate the True Tone. Yeah, the True Tone, I've got the True Tone on the 10.5 iPad Pro. Uh, and I do really like it. So yeah, that is one thing that I would appreciate going forward for the eight. But uh, like I said, I if I'm going to upgrade any, from any, from a seven, it's going to have to be to an eight plus, like you've done. And I don't think my hands are going to appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just going to. I'm like I said. I'm I'm going to go and have a look at an X, an X or a ten. Yeah. When it comes out, because they'll have them in stores. You know, as if they won't have them to sell in store. I don't. But they'll have them there to play around with. So I will go and have a look at one. But like I say, that I've not. I've not upgraded my phone so you know with everyone ordering their new phones on when the iphone 8 was available yeah it was a bit strange mm. doing nothing just watching it go by <laughs> do you think that you could break down and get an iphone 10 just on an impulse if you were really wowed by how it felt in your hand and you thought to yourself the notch is actually not so distracting or would the price tag be too too much of a problem uh I mean, because you know, in a year they're going to drop the price. For me, I think there's a there's an upper limit on certain products for me, and I think I don't think Apple, you know, are taking advantage, particularly at, you know at that price point. But I do think that I want to, I do want to set a precedence for myself and vote with my wallet. You know, I, I you know it's a great phone, and I'm sure it's going to be amazing. And I'm sure they're going to sell a lot of them. But personally, where I am you know thinking about the wider wider view of of being a bit better to better to the environment in terms of not buying so much technology uh and then going out and spending something that's the equivalent of my 5k iMac that i'm looking at right now on a phone that i'm probably going to keep for a year just doesn't make sense to me uh i i I could potentially do the upgrade program i've got a few friends that that have done the upgrade program this year but even then it's going to be about 60 dollars a month which it's a lot of money for a phone, you know. That's, sure is, that's, yeah. that's more than I pay for probably our electricity, you know, in the house, or, or definitely way more than than I pay for my mobile phone and my broadband combined, and Netflix and Apple Music. You know, I, a lot of my services are going to come to less than that. So hmm. no, I, 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 we'll see what happens in November. I, I'm, I'm not. I haven't got a very very good willpower. Every time I'm tempted, I'm just going to come back to that. Look at the the 5K iMac I'm sat in front of now, and just think, how can a phone be? How can the phone be worth more than that to me? <laughs> sure. I've just got to keep telling myself that, otherwise I'm going to end up getting one. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hmm. But you are able to get the iOS 11 upgrade, and yes. that has been out for a little while. What do you think of iOS 11? 
personally, I think it's one of the buggiest, the buggiest updates that, that that's been around for a while from Apple. No. Uh, okay. So did you did you get on the beta or did, did you jump on? Yeah, okay. I was. I, I, w- I joined because I've got a developer account. Even though I'm not developing anything at the moment, I did. I had dreams, you know, like a lot of people did, you know, to develop apps at some point, and I just left my developer account going. Uh, and I did test it from maybe the second the second beta. Uh, and it, it, it there were lots of UI things in there that I raised in 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 the actual bug reports in, in the radars back to Apple, and even now some of those are still there. They've not been addressed. I like the new text. I like the bigger bolder text in the. In, I do generally like the way it looks. So you know, like in the messages app. Oh yeah. And in the and the I like that bolder text. I really like the style of it. But I'm noticing things like labels being not quite right space in between the label and the title not being right or inconsistent between apps um, mm-hmm. i'm noticing and again i'm on a seven remember so any of the stock apps or are you thinking mostly about the third party apps? no a lot of stock apps so if you go into something like notes and then go into messages and look at that bold text on the top the alignment is different between those two apps you know with the note the word notes and the word messages i'm running it on iphone 7 and i'm running it on a ipad pro 10.5 and on the iPad, it's great. I, I I really like it on the iPad. But on the phone, I'm noticing that I'm I'm having uh, like frame rate drops and and lag that that I don't think should be there. Hmm. I don't know. It just it just feels like it's not as efficient as it should be, given how fast the hardware is. Because the seven is still a fast phone, and I've gotten to the point that my, you know my my wife's got a six uh, S, and a lot of my family got sixes, and I'm telling them not to bother to to upgrade at the moment. Yeah, huh. because. I think Apple need to do some work on attention to detail stuff like these labels. Uh, on the iPad, I'm having issues with rotational issues, which has always been there. Like the music app the other day, I was using the music app on the iPad, and I and I had it in uh, landscape mode, and I tapped on artist album, and then suddenly everything shifted to the left, and I couldn't see the album artwork anymore. I could just about see the end of the the uh, track names. Yeah, yeah. Little things like that that I'm getting, and and I know it's not, I know not everybody's getting them because I've I've posted screenshots and put things out on Twitter, and people are saying, oh, it's fine for me. So one thing I actually did today was I had to restart my phone about three or four times today because I was getting an issue, which I had on the first, or first or the second beta was, you know, the new now the new uh, now playing widget that you get on the lock screen if you're playing any audio. Yes. There was an issue where if you weren't playing any audio, you had no audio apps open. That would stay on your lock screen, and that started ha- that started happening to me again yesterday. Last night it just started happening, huh. and it was happening to me again this morning. So, every- and to fix it, you basically just restart your phone. You know, just power it and power it back on. But today I just had enough, so I basically plugged it in to iTunes. Force, you know, you can uh, hold down the home button or the side button on on the on this on the seven. If you plug in the lightning cable, it forces a, a like a factory reset. You know, it goes off to it goes off to the Apple servers and pulls down the latest uh, public release. So I just wiped it that way rather than doing it over the air. And I've literally, you know, only set up my watch about before we started the call. So I'll hopefully that'll go some way to fixing it because I know it's not a common issue, but those little issues are still there for me. the The only real benefit that I've had from uh, from the upgrade is having all my health data stored in iCloud now, which I, I really appreciate that, and it's just why I would stay on 11, just to have that feature. So obviously, you know, if you've got an Apple Watch and you've been looking at looking at your badges, you know, getting your badges for your, your you know, completing your rings and 
you know, your heart rate, all that kind of stuff. It's all stored in iCloud now where it wasn't prior to iOS 11. So that's a big win. I think watchOS 4 was probably a better update for me than iOS 11, even though the iPad stuff's really good. I use my iPhone primarily, and that's where it's a bit glitchy for me. I don't know what, what, what your experience of 11 is. I know you've got faster hardware than me, but are you seeing like the any frame drops and, and lag and stuff like that on yours? I started with the last public beta, yeah. and I only got it because I grew very impatient after watching the iPhone 10 event, Yeah, and then... Uh, it was performing pretty well. I didn't notice any bugs. I didn't put it on the iPad, just on my phone. Okay. But I'm not a heavy iPhone user. I'm back in here for little web browsing, emails, uh, uh, social networks, and iPods, uh, app, you know, or podcasts and music every day. So in general, nothing too intense, not using many Word documents. I'll reference maybe some notes and recipes and passwords a couple of times a week. I really want to dive into the Files app, but I haven't had a practical application where I needed to do that just yet. I really do appreciate things like Control Center because I can do so many of the Swiss Army Knife-like utilities and tools right here, and I'm using them a lot. I set so many timers every day, and I use Siri intermittently for reminders, alarms, timers, and calendar scheduling. So I've noticed that she is much more prompt. She's faster. Uh, she sounds smarter, even if she isn't. And I, I don't notice any bugs directly on the iOS, but on the watchOS, I didn't, I didn't get the beta for this. But I, on watchOS, I noticed that sometimes I get that glitch, I think sort of like the one you're talking about, where you don't have anything playing, but I raise my wrist and I see the player controls and nothing is playing and nothing is started mm. up. So if I hit play, it's not going to play anything. And it doesn't even show the time on that watch face. Yeah. Then I like have to you know put my palm over my watch face to get it to go to sleep and then turn my wrist and raise it again. And then you know if that doesn't work, then press the digital crown, get myself back to the watch face and out of the app. You can turn that off. You know that feature... If you're playing something on your phone and you, you like you said, you raise your wrist and you can see the now playing controls on your watch, you can turn. So that's that. called the wake screen, right? That's right. You can yeah, you can turn that in, off. Yeah. yeah, you can turn that off in the settings. So right now I have it set to wake screen on wrist raise on, yep. and auto launch audio apps on, and I really do like that when I'm listening to a podcast because a lot of the time I'm doing some work around the the you know home and I, I'm shuffling some odds and ends in my hands, and I really don't want to get my hand, uh, my phone out of my pocket. So I just want to raise my wrist, see the podcast, hit pause, play. So that has become really handy when it does just work, and it works most of the time just fine. Yeah. Um, now, are you using the watch to track your sleep? And uh, the reason I ask is if you're doing that, then you're charging it sometime during the day, and then you're uh, keeping it on your wrist at night. I have done intermittently. Uh I started using Sleep Plus Plus last year, and it just got really buggy, so I stopped using it. And I used auto, I use Auto Sleep now. I was tracking it a few weeks ago, just curious because I was just shattered all the time. <laughs> so I was just curious to see how many hours of sleep I was getting, and I kind of confirmed that I wasn't getting enough. But uh, and I would just charge it whilst I was in the shower in the morning for you know charge it for half an hour, and you got you fully charged again. So no, I'm not actively tracking my sleep now, but I have been. 
It's very useful for that. I mean, and, yeah, and it's not like I, I haven't found a need to track my sleep all the time, but for the same type of reason, you just want to see how are you doing? Like you're getting a little bit more tired later in the day. You look back on your average for the previous week and you don't know what it is because you weren't wearing the watch to track it. So then you track it for the next week and you realize, oh yeah, yeah, I need to be a little bit more mindful about this. Yeah, And it does help. Yeah. It, it gets me back on track. There's quite a lot of extra like health, the health app and the if you've got a watch series one or above i think you get the new heart rate stuff so you get like resting heart rate and something called heart rate variability which i'm still reading into to see what that is but resting heart rate is good yeah i have the i have the series one myself yeah so you'll get that i've got the series two i think the nike one i think series two uh and mine does all you know mine does all the 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 resting heart rate and stuff and that's all really useful it says, okay, so I'm, I'm opening up the heart rate app for the first time since installing the OS, and it says heart rate can notify you when Apple Watch detects a heart rate that rises above 120 BPM while you appear to have been inactive for 10 minutes. Yeah. You can adjust or turn off these notifications in the Apple Watch app on your iPhone. I'm going to turn it on, see what happens. I've heard some very funny stories where friends had this on, and then they'd spend some time with their girlfriend and it would say their heart rate was elevated. <laughs> so which which side of the watch do you have your digital crown? I put mine in the reverse of what I've been doing for a while because I saw that uh, Serenity Caldwell gave it a shot and it was working for her. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I've almost, I almost did the same thing. I got a new band the other day. So whilst we're on the subject, I'm going to talk about that one. The one I got was the uh, the Sport Loop, the new one, the, the, the Nylon Sports Loop, I think it's called. Yeah, I'm wearing the regular nylon classic band right now. Yeah, it's great. The, 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 the normal one was one of my favorite bands, but I think this one is I might, might be my favorite it's basically just like the leather loop but it's got uh they don't call it velcro but it's 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 their own version of velcro effectively on it uh and when i was when i was looking at this strap and i saw that article the the one by serenity caldwell i thought i'm gonna try it too i just haven't got around to doing it so how are you finding it i find it makes a lot of sense it looks strange because i'm so used to crowns on all watches being on the other side yeah and when i look down it kind of makes me think like is this some foreign device in a sci-fi <laughs> land where we just put buttons on the opposite end of an interface or piece of hardware just because we want to make it look different. Like I've been watching a the Star Trek Enterprise show on Netflix. Oh, and yeah. I, yeah, the first too. thing I thought was like, this just looks like something they would do to make it look different for no good reason, <laughs> you know, for a different era of technology and, you know, the, the sci-fi universe. And you know what? I, I think it makes actually a lot of sense because when I put my right hand up to my left wrist to control the thing, I have to contort it a little bit, bend it extra back farther than you, uh, it would make sense to manipulating most uh, odds and ends or pencils and other you know things, you, you know, utensils or the, the handle of a mug. So when just reaching out to grab that digital crown and make a precision turn, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's constrained. And if I just you know use my thumb and I roll it up and down the, the middle of my thumb, it feels very natural. And then I am able to scroll the, the content a little bit more easily and find that scrolling with the crown makes a lot of sense all of a sudden. 
and it's right there when I want to press it. And all of a sudden, it feels a little bit more like a a riff on a Dick Tracy watch. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know how to explain that, but I think Dick Tracy probably had more buttons on the sides of his watch than probably. per se. Like like we, you know, we're so used to just using the touchscreen because the digital crown where it was was just a little bit more inconvenient than using the touchscreen. But if you put it on this side, then some of the time it's actually more natural to use the crown than it is to use the touch. So, um, so far, so good. Do you find that you you accidentally trigger Siri by, like, all I mean is, I think I've literally, since when we've been talking, I've just switched mine around. So I'll do it for the week and then next week we can catch up and see how I've got on. So I've switched mine around now, so it's in that orientation. But what I'm thinking is, like, if you've got your, the crown on the left-hand side and you're, you know, you get up, like a push-up, I don't do push-ups, but if you, that sort of motion, do you ever hit that hit the crown and trigger Siri by accident? Have you, have you done that since you've, you've changed it? I have done it, but I, I used to do it when it was on the other side of the watch as well. Oh, okay. So it, it usually would happen while I was in the kitchen. I, I wouldn't really know what I had done. Maybe I was flexing my my left wrist too yep. far back or something, and it would get pinched against my my long sleeve or something and press the digital crown. I don't know. And I think it still happens, but it doesn't happen any more or less than when it was on the other side. Okay. And uh, (laughs) that happened the day before yesterday. And my sister saw my watch face, like activate Syria for no apparent reason. And I was like, Oh, that happens all the time. Just ignore that. (laughs) Yeah. So, so far, so good. It's a funny thing how with these devices, like the watch, using the buttons still after after two years it still feels like this is something where we're still getting used to it whereas if this was the phone or keyboards and mice that's like really old news at this point actually you know like you've got the switches on the iphone and even on the ipad nobody talks about this the buttons on the side of an ipad you know but uh but it's still something that feels kind of foreign when it comes to a watch and and it's it's interesting because you know, historically, people used watches in a different way. You only needed to touch the crown when setting the watch, or if uh, you needed to like fine tune it, or maybe skip a day in the calendar of the month. You know, because uh, th- that that month didn't have thirty-one days; it only had thirty. But, and so you don't you don't have to think about it too much. You r- rarely ever need to press buttons on your your other sport watches and the like. May- maybe for a backlight. But, that, yeah. but that'd be it. And I, I think it's still an odd user experience where we're just getting accustomed to, do I want to talk to my f- watch? Do I really want to tap it to wake it and then tap it to make it do something? Or do I just want to press a button and scroll? And, and there's uh, pros and cons to any way you want to interact with a watch. You can do a lot with each mode of Con, you know, control. And there's a lot you can't do with all three modes of control. So you, you can't ignore any of them. Like even the the but the side button, using that for um, Apple Pay, I, I do that on a regular basis now. Yeah, I use Apple Pay all the time. One que- question though with your watch. Do you have the apps view, the home screen effectively set up as a list view or that grid view that you had originally? I have the original Honeycomb grid view. Okay. What do you think? List I've got. 
Definitely. I, when I started using List, I thought, oh, it's slower. But once you get, like, I'm just doing it now, and I'm using the, I'm using my thumb now to scroll the, the crown, and it, it feels a lot better actually. But yeah, I just find it's quicker for me to, to use it in List view, just the way my my mind works. But um, then, how about that of the other view where you press the button on the side, and it shows you sort of like the cards for different apps, the recently used apps, and yeah, I forget to use it. The dock, yeah. Yeah, I forget to use that. I don't really I forget use to apps use it on too, my watch. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't really use apps on my watch. I've got no. The only third-party app that I've got on my watch is OmniFocus. I've got nothing else. I use all the st- the standard Apple stuff. I don't use any. I I was using uh, Carrot Weather, and I've used Dark Sky as well on the watch. But I found that the complications just didn't update properly. So I just I've just over time my habit has been just to use all the stand the stock Apple apps. Apart from like I said, I use OmniFocus app because it's really rock solid on the on on the apple watch it's a dedicated app and it just works really well it's flawless but i found other third-party apps just to be a little bit buggy hmm. so i've just i've just gotten out of the habit of using them so watch os4 though is a winner it's a keeper i do like the updates to the watch faces i'm using the toy story watch face on the weekends and i recently switched back to the I think it's called the classic watch face for the weekdays with how I like to use the complications. Yeah. And that's working very well for me. I'm a little disappointed that one of the watch faces is only available to the watch series three with cellular. It's the one that looks sort of like the classic, but it has the red hands. The yeah, it looks red quite nice, hour doesn't it? Minute hand. It looks very cl- uh, sharp and and sort of like the kind of thing I thought that Apple would just throw in with any given watch OS update. But it's uh no, it's exclusive. I've got the Nike Plus or the Nike Nike edition and I've got the the Nike font which I like. I really like the I really like the Nike styling. And uh, so I use the, one of the Nike watch faces and I can only get I only got that because I could use it on this watch. I, you can't you can't use that on a on a non-Nike watch, uh, and this is the same. Obviously, only the LT model will will give you the give you that. But I guess just just before we leave the watch, what's your view of the red dot on the crown? <laughs> given given your design uh, eye that I haven't got, what, what what do you think of it? I don't like it personally, but I don't like it at all. It's a color coordination problem for so many different bands. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and and the other thing is, whenever you think about red buttons on any kind of electronic device doesn't it just scream like don't press this button yeah only in emergencies break glass yeah self-destruct mechanism you know <laughs> you, you don't think push the red button you know as a natural interface design thing i mean like even if apple wanted to all these years they could have I don't know, made the power button on a Mac a different color, made it make it green. It suggests power and turning the Mac on, you know, or it's blue. It means it's electric, you know, like that's a new way to upgrade a MacBook Pro this year. Just put a new colored button on it. <laughs> but, you know, Apple never did that. So it's so weird that Apple would take the watch in this direction. And I, I wonder in part if it's because well, I know that they want to quickly delineate between the cellular models and the Wi-Fi only models. So what's intriguing to me is that you can get the Watch Series 3 without cellular 
it will not have the red button. Yeah. It will not have the red crown. And it will also not have the new watch face, the one I like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems to be that, I've, you know, I've listened to a few podcasts this week, and, and I think it might have been Serenity Caldwell again that had said that one of the issues is, you know, that watch face shows your signal, shows your signal strength in the middle of it. Oh, yeah, and, the dots. And, yeah, and one of the things that she was saying is you can't, there's no complication available in any of the watch faces that will show you that. So if you want to see the how much signal you've got, that's the only watch face you can use, which seems a bit of a limiting factor. I wondered what the dots were for. I hadn't, that hadn't occurred to me because Apple just got away from the dots on iOS 11. Yeah, which they did to obviously make room for the notch. <laughs> if, if you look at the amount of the width... On the on the if you look at your iPhone on iOS 11, you, there's little lines now, isn't it? Back to the lines for the signal strength. Yeah, that takes up way less room than having all those dots. So they obviously only did it to uh, for the for the X or the 10. And that's another thing that annoys me actually. Is just just I know we're running a bit long, but it's like back to iOS just quickly. Is the removal of 3D touch to app switch it has really yeah. annoyed me. Hmm. Uh, and they've only done that because the iPhone 10 won't support it. So they've oh. they, they've limited my use, how I used to use my device, because of the flagship model. Now I did, I did see. I think it was last week. Someone was reporting that uh, Apple have said they're going to bring it back. They're going to bring it back in a future release. But oh, really, yeah. Hmm. There's no timeline, or even if you know they, they won't be held by that email. I doubt. You know, it was just an email sent to Craig Federick, I think, and I think he responded, but. You know, you've got iOS 11.1 is is out at the moment just in, for developers, and I'm I'm keeping an eye on that. So as soon as the the beta track has that feature, I'm just going to go straight onto it because I, I really miss that. I use, I used it all the time. But going back to your your nylon loop thing, yes, I know it works like Velcro, and I can imagine the one side of the material has like little tiny burrs. Does the other side have like a little plush fuzz? fuzzy surface to yeah it? how does that work it, it kind of feels if i remember i'll send you a link to my blog because i put some pictures i put some pictures on the site but basically the the bit that goes around your arm is a lot softer than the nylon that you've got on yours and it kind of does feel uh fluffy in a way not in a like a cotton wool type fluffy but you can just feel the material is raised hmm and then the, 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 with the leather loop, you've got obviously the magnets inside the leather. On this one, you've got a patch of, uh, just count them now, one, five little strips of the hooks. You know, the Velcro, you've got the hooks. Yeah. And there's five little strips of those, and then they just they just attach to the to the band. And then the one, one thing that is quite nice is at the end of the band, there's a, a bit of plastic on the end, and then which stops it from looping out if you see what i mean because when you put it on you obviously loop it through itself and then you uh, attach it yes and so it's got a little plastic at the end which is like a stopper effectively so you the strap isn't just going to come flying off but it attaches it actually attaches more uh strongly than the leather loop does with the magnets it's not mm. going anywhere if people are worried that the the, the velcro is not strong it is you, it won't fall off it won't it, it won't fall off at all uh it's probably probably is my favorite band now my, my i've been using the blue nike uh the one with the holes in it the nike the, they do it like a midnight blue they don't call it midnight blue but that's that's the color it is to me and it's got all the little holes in it i've been using that and i really like it another 49 dollars, you know good for the, the value <laughs> yeah watch straps are not too bad value <laughs> well i think that'll do it for this episode all right so uh lee where can people find you online 
best place to go is uh, ljpuk.com, which is my blog, uh, and that'll that'll send you a link to everywhere else. I'm on the internet. I'm also available on Twitter. My username is jcsdarnell. You'll find me there, and we're just booting this show up again. Thanks again for subscribing. Be sure to tell your friends we are still alive. Reports of our demise have been uh, blown way out of proportion. (laughs) And uh, thanks for listening to Applesauce. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.